Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. I'm your host, Rudo, joined by AJ and Jesse back from Las Vegas. Seems like it was a fun time out there, uh, all of the nonsense going on around the All-Star game, so... Let's just start there. How was your trip to Vegas? It was good, man. It was uh, it was chilly for Vegas, but when I was on my way to the airport, it was minus 10. And when I landed in Vegas, it was, I think, like 38 degrees. So felt nice and balmy. Take that all day. Uh, but no, dude. On- yeah, just a bit. Uh, but no, dude, honestly, man, it was, it, was, it was a ton of fun. I know people uh, can kind of rag on the all-star game a bit um, in terms of like a media standpoint. Um, and just the game itself. Uh, but no, it, it was a ton of fun to be there. Um, you know, you, you, you do kind of stop, uh, when you're standing in that media room, uh, on Friday, the day of the skills competition, there's some, uh, pretty cool people you're sharing that room with. Uh, but, uh, but, but no, dude, it, it was a ton of fun. And, uh, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll talk about a little bit more of the specifics here, but, uh, it was great. Uh, awesome experience to be part of. I think they should do the all-star game in Vegas every year. It certainly inspired some some fun things, at least. I don't. So, you covered it. Were you in the building? Did they just show the like fountain thing and the outdoor thing on the jumbotron, or what? Yep. So it was actually pre-recorded the night before. Um, okay. The two outdoor events were done the night before. Uh, I actually had a buddy uh, who was out there who was staying at the Cosmo, um, and he had a balcony that overlooked the fountain. So there was one night we were out there hanging out on his balcony and you know drinking and stuff, and we thought we were watching them test it, uh, test the lights. And stuff. It. it turns out we were watching them actually do the event, and you know I didn't I didn't realize it at the time. Um, but yeah, so the the outdoor events were pre-recorded and they just showed them in the arena exactly what you just said on, on the, on the big board. Um, but, but yeah, I, I thought it was cool. I I liked the outdoor events. I don't know if you guys talked about this on the show Saturday. What did you guys think of the outdoor stuff? They were cool. I liked them. Yeah. There were some tweaks that need to be made, especially with like the 21 thing where you just had a hard time seeing what was happening with the puck. Yeah. 
and you're like, like the puck would go through one of the cards and you were like, yeah, I, I was talking to my sister about it yesterday and she was like, I don't know why they didn't use like a video or like a board that like lit up. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that, that seems way better. There are a lot of adjustments that could be made, but a good yeah. base. They went of really a, low tech and it showed. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then, like the one thing they invested in was these weird pucks that light up that they have to like activate. They have, I mean, they have to slam them so hard to get them yeah. Turn on the the fountain thing, oh. I don't remember which one of them it was, but one of them couldn't get one of the pucks to yeah. light up. So yeah, after hitting it like three times, he discarded it and moved on. Moved to the next one. Yeah. Uh, no, the 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 pucks they said um, were were player tracking or player tracking. Uh, you know, tracking. Um, they were all kinds of smart pucks and stuff like that. But yeah, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was weird. I thought they were just using those for the one in the fountain to like make them easier to see. But then, yeah, yeah they're lighting up pucks for hardest shot and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, yeah. Uh, but the other part of it too, uh, I did talk to someone from the NHL out there who said that uh, part of the issue with the outdoor stuff, uh, you know, you mentioned it was it was kind of low tech was that the intricacies of having that portion of the strip closed, um, I guess were, were pretty uh, cumbersome. So my guess is that they had to do something like, what can we set up and break down quickly, make the most of the however many hours it is that they had the strip actually closed. Um, but I, what I like, I liked it for a V1, right? Like you think that, if as long as you can kind of dial that stuff in as you go forward, I, I, I thought the two outdoor events, like you said, they need some tweaks, but I thought it was a good first try. Yeah. I mean, if that's that's the big problem, just move it. Doesn't have to be on the strip, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, uh, you know, I mean, you got that huge badass Top Golf right there at MGM. You know, they I, yep. I, they thought it'd been cool to do stuff off that, but um, no, honestly, like. Just just talking to some of the the guys at, at Media Day, uh, you know, had an had a nice little chat with with Jared Bednar and um, stuff like that. It just seemed like everyone was enjoying being in Vegas. A lot to do, a lot to you know. A bunch of guys had family out there, uh, moms, dads, uh, kids, uh, you know, brothers, sisters. There was something to do for everybody. There's good food, all kinds of stuff around. Um, so, you know, they're obviously, they, they announced, uh, this weekend, they're taking it to, uh, Florida next year, South Florida. Um, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing it even become like an every other year it's in Vegas type thing. I just thought that it made too much sense for that type of event. I think, I think it really helps player participation or player willingness to do things when you yeah. put it in locations they like. Yep. And that sucks for certain cities where it's like, it may not be there ever, but I right. mean, that's fine. I the, I don't like the NFL. Is I, I the Pro Bowl was, in Hawaii every year, right? Like, pick a cool location. They, and they were also in Vegas this weekend, coincidentally. But yeah, Hawaii, uh, Orlando. Yeah, they do them in destinations. Yeah, I mean, like, put it in a place where players want to go. You know, and that's like it sucks because like I think I, I think that they had the the last time they had the All Star Game in like Columbus, like it was a huge hit, right? Like, and everybody was like, "Oh my God, Columbus mm. is great!" and it gives people an opportunity to really spend some time there and actually dig into it and enjoy themselves there. But like players don't want to go Columbus in yeah. February. 
Well, and especially you know, like, because the idea is about growing the game, right? That's what all-star games are supposed to be about. Show showcasing skill, um, you know, really just celebrating the players and not just the NHL all-star game, any of the major professional all-star games. That's what they're supposed to be about. So it's like, you're not necessarily doing this to get like new fans in the seats for the all-star game. You're doing it to showcase the best players. So to your point, put it somewhere where the best players want to go. I mean, is there any thought to doing this in like the middle of the summer? Do it. I understand there's some complications with like uh, players are in free agency and all of that, but all the players just want to break in the middle of the season. They don't want to go to the all-star game then. So why not do it in a time where you don't have any hockey for two straight months? Yeah. Or, 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 I mean, you could maybe even do it like leading up to training camp. The all-star game kind of becomes like your first official, like kickoff event. Um, sure. yeah, I wouldn't hate that. I, I also like the idea, you know, someone just put in the chat doing it in a neutral site, like Hawaii or something like that. Like, Get people stoked about being there. I, I thought them having, and again, I'm sure you guys went over all this stuff, but like I thought them having Trevor Zegras there was was awesome. I would love to see them uh, get more players involved. And again, going back to what we've talked about a bunch, take it, yeah, take it to a, a neutral site, expand those rosters, and just do two days of skills. I'm sure it'd be hard to do logistically, but you know, tie it into the global series, right? Yeah, go have an all star yeah. game in Finland or something. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought it was awesome. And, and the one part that I, I wanted to talk about a bit, um, you know, I was on the phone with AJ a little bit earlier and, you know, we're starting to ramp up our trade deadline stuff. We're going to get into it a little bit today. Um, but he asked, he's like, I don't know if you heard anything out there. This is kind of what I heard people I talked to. And I said, well, I didn't, I didn't hear anything official, but I tried my darndest to be observant. Um, just cause you know, when you're out there, you, you have groups of people that, don't normally get together. You have guys that aren't normally talking to each other. And um, the first thing I I told AJ that I thought was just really interesting. And I don't really know how to take it yet. Uh, Claude Giroux was in a weird mood all weekend. Um, I've got some audio that we'll, we'll probably end up throwing up on, on the website at some point um, from, from Claude Giroux. Or again, just he, he's fielding questions and it's just real short, kind of simple answers. Didn't look like he kind of really wanted to be there. Um, he was asked a couple times about trade deadline. And he, I mean, he it wasn't even that he like entertained it and gave it all. He kind of brushed off with the answer. Like he just brushed the question off. Like people, someone asked him, you know, have, have you thought about that at all? Or is this a nice break from having to think about that or something like that? And he, he goes, there's a lot of hockey left to be played between now and the deadline. That's all I'm going to give you. Uh, my focus is on making sure that, that uh, you know, the flyers that we can turn around, we're playing some good hockey. Now we weren't playing good hockey for a while, but there's a lot of hockey left to be played. That's all I'm going to say. And um, you know, anytime someone pressed him on stuff like that, how things are going with the flyers kind of brushed it off. Um, uh, you know, I, I did ask him about uh, Kale McCarr cause he said that his favorite uh, event to watch was fastest skater. And I was like, you know, only defenseman participating in fastest skater. What do you think? Again, just trying to get him to talk a little bit about Kale McCarr. And he was like, uh, yeah, no, you know, obviously he, he just, he looks fast out there, but hopefully the guy from our team can beat him. Just had no interest in talking about anything like that. Um, after what, you know, AJ was telling me was a really weird on ice interview. Um, someone asked him after the game, well, Hey, so you won the car. 
what are you going to do with the car? He goes, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. And it's just like, <laughs> to be fair, I don't think NHL players need random Hondas. Yeah, yeah, they don't. They don't need a like a powder blue he Honda like, Pilot, but he like wins. He like wins MVP, and they give him this car where he's like, "I have no interest in this shit, but I have to yeah. pay taxes on it." Thanks, yeah. <laughs> and and he just like he just looked like get me on the first flight out of here and away from media. Um. So I again think that think of that what you will it, it was just behavior to me that was out of the ordinary for a player like that who's been to the all-star game that many times knows what to expect just a little odd the other one that is a little bit more maybe relevant um outside of media day where it is done in tw- about 20 25 minute chunks this group of eight guys comes in for 20 minutes they leave the next group of eight guys come in. So it was very segmented. Um, I saw Joe Pavelski chumming it up a bunch with Nazem Kadri and Kale McCarr, mostly Kadri. Um, they were talking a lot, laughing, yucking it up, making jokes. Um, just saw them spending a lot of time around each other. And then Jared Bednar puts, Joe Pavelski out there with his two abs for the first half of that uh, three-on-three. Again, a lot of it is just speculation and, and us maybe trying to make something out of nothing. But when we've spent all season kind of having that identified as a player that's a potential fit depending on where Dallas is at, um, a player that you know makes a lot of sense, you just kind of piece those things together and you say, I don't think that that was all coincidental. You know what I mean? Oh, I feel you. I feel you <laughs> on that. Not, without um, going too much down that rabbit hole again, this, it's just this. This podcast has turned into a great example of letting the wish be the father of the thought. Oh, for yep. sure. Well, and 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 it's again, it's not a wish, but like it's just one of those things where you have to put two and two together a little bit. Nazem Kadri's in on those. You know, he he sees what goes around. He talks to people in the organization and you know that weekends, I mean, uh, Eric Carlson, everyone thought it was Tampa Bay after that all-star game. Um, you know, he was on the team with, with Tampa, with Tampa players and they were talking to him and all kinds of stuff. So, so it is just one of those things where, you know, that even jokingly, they gave him a, what, what are you going to come play for us or what? What are you going to, you going to, you going to come over here? Are you going to come play and call, you know, so it just it was just interesting. You're 100 percent right. It's it's all just me observing stuff. But uh, the the Pavelski one was just one where it's like, hmm. look, couple, couple guys saying, getting some, some free some free words in for sure. All I'm saying is TMZ doesn't have any bowels in it either. So you know <laughs> we're not that far from posting up outside people's houses with cameras, maybe. Who's to, who's to say we did that once? I was going to say it's not. We're not very far removed from that. I yeah. think is what you what you mean. Jesse, what was that like? Six a.m. Yeah, oh, dude, I, earlier than that. Yeah, that's back. That was BSN, which I guess doesn't have any vowels either. So it's yeah, still <laughs> yeah. But, but but you know, it just it, it is funny because that is uh, someone asked Claude Giroux, um, "Has anybody tried to recruit you?" And again, that was another one. He like, no, that's not happening. That's not happening out here. And it's like, bro, we all know. We all know how this stuff goes. 
We all see where you're at in the standings. Um, but but so you know, I I don't doubt that there was a couple words exchanged between Naz and uh, you know a couple of those guys out there. Um, given where the Avs are at in the standings and where a couple of those uh, you know other guys are, are. Let's be honest here. Claude Giroux would be doing himself a disservice. Yeah. If he was not using that as an opportunity to be like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to chat up a couple of the guys that are here yeah. from a couple of organizations that I could realistically see myself going to yep. where I would waive my no trade clause to go to. And I'm just going to ask him some some basic questions about how's life in the city? What's life like in the organization? What yep. are some of the things you like and don't like? What are some areas of comfort? You know, things like <coughs> would be doing himself. I mean, everybody knows the score here. Right. Now, ultimately, if he decides he doesn't want to go anywhere and he's just like, don't trade me, then fine. Right. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't even explore any of it, like, what are you doing, guy? Yeah. Yeah. So that you definitely, you definitely saw some of that. Um, it's you like, know, going, it's like on. going to a job conference, right? <laughs> like any job conference, they always happen out in Vegas and not networking at all. Right. Not right, talking, right. not talking to any of the other managers with wanted signs posted up who are like, Hey, we could be, we could be interested in your services and we might be willing to pay you more. And then you're just like, Oh, I don't have any interest whatsoever no. in that. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, so on, uh, you should at least like dig into it. Yeah, so so that was that was definitely what I was paying attention to most. But but really, man, um, it, it's a cool event to to be at in person. Uh, moves a little slow. Um, you don't get you know a lot of the commentary in between when they're breaking down and setting up new events and, and shit. But um, c- cool event, a lot a lot to see, and, and honestly, it was awesome. Um, Kadri really seemed to enjoy himself out there. You could tell that that was a moment of he's talked all year about, nope, I'm trying to stay present. I'm trying to stay in the moment, trying to focus on our next game. And and you could tell that that, that he let himself enjoy that, that weekend a little bit. Um, And, and, you know, I, I think, I I think I heard him say it a half dozen times that, you know, I worked for this weekend for a long time in my career. And I really feel like I've, I've earned the right to be here. Um, and, I, and I don't think anybody would disagree. Uh, so, so it was nice to see him kind of be able to enjoy that. Um, same with Bednar. I mean, you guys know I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Bednar as a coach, and it was nice to see him um, out there. And, and I know they get it based on where their team is in the standings. But, um, again, that's, that's a guy who I think is, is underrated around the league in terms of his ability to um, get everyone pulling the rope in the same direction. So it's nice, nice to see him get some uh, – uh, some some national media attention, guys. All the, right. wild, the wild fan in our chat is not breaking news. Um, yeah, that's not that's not real. Yeah, um, I feel pretty confident in saying that Chicago without a GM is not trading Kirby Doc. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, come so on. if you haven't believed every single word said on this podcast so far, then you probably need to get to light shade and get high. Let's just be real about that. Might be that might be my afternoon. How given how the last few days have gone for me trying to run errands and be a functioning member of society. Yeah, you, Dude, you need the, a, you need to go hit it up. I got boxed in by geese. 
yesterday. Dude, that's a real thing. It's a federal crime to kill him if you run him over. It's it's a it's it's a film for real. I was just trying to leave Taco John's, which I had never been to before, and the only way I could get them to move was if I threw hash browns at them. Yeah, dude, they 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 will not move. They know what's up, man. The light shade off Evans, um, they're legit. They're awesome people, and they they get that discount hooked up. There you go. 25% off when you use code DNVR. You can also check out with that online to get your order scheduled for pickup at 11 different locations in the Denver metro area. Check them out. Also check out Escape Artists if you need your CBD products, including topical ointments. They have whatever you need, whether it's the the light stuff, one-to-one ratio, all the way up to the heavy-duty 20-to-1. They got you covered. For all of your pain needs, or you know, if you just want to get high and convince yourself that Joe Pavelski is coming to the abs, it, it also works for that. So hit up Lightshade today, go check them out, and be sure to use that DNVR code to get 25% off. And then make sure you're keeping your teeth pearly white with Green Mountain Dental Group over in Lakewood, just 15 minutes from downtown. Jesse gave me one of these. <laughs> I was there this morning. So I, I, I finish, finish the read as it is, and I'm going to give an extra little plug for Green Mountain. All right. Free Sonicare toothbrush if you get a cleaning x-ray and exam with them. So be sure to jump on that. Make sure you're taking care of your teeth at home and at the dentist. And Jesse's going to tell us about his teeth now. So I hate the dentist so much. I hate it more than like I, – I hate going to the doctor just in general. Um, and the dentist is like my least favorite of that chore. Um, I hate it. I hate the smells. I hate the sounds. I hate the way it feels. Um, so I was very reluctant. I'm always very reluctant to go. Um, I actually had to go back and do a deep cleaning. They get under your gums and all that stuff. I've had them done before. Uh, they're not fun. It was awesome. Like they were phenomenal this morning for real. Uh, they, they got me in there really quick. Um, I went in for my, a regular cleaning x-ray exam last week. They got me in quick. Um, I worked with Christy this morning. Uh, she was phenomenal. Didn't feel a thing. Uh, the numbing wore off about 30 minutes ago. I was really hoping that if it wasn't worn off, AJ would be on cause I was talking like this all morning. Um, but, uh, Dr. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, Dr. Ben, uh, is, is phenomenal. He's, he's come in and talked to abs with me, uh, both times I've been in there, um, all kinds of stuff and shout out, uh, to Grant, uh, his son, who's a, an avid listener of ours. So I just, I wanted to give a shout out cause I know we get a lot of, you know, we talk a lot about how great they are, but this was my first like real experience with them today. Um, and as someone who hates going to the dentist for real, uh, they were fantastic. Highly, highly, highly recommend. Um, they're a little far from me. Um, but it was worth the drive. They will be my dentist going forward. They were fantastic. How long do you think the Vegas Golden Knights could hold someone out for dental surgery? <laughs> we're about it's to not very out. long if they <laughs> went to Green Mountain because they'd get them fixed up and fucking back ready to go. Um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure they're looking into it. Yeah, obviously the news of the day, Jack Eichel in full uniform, full practice with the Vegas Golden Knights. And conveniently, Zach Whitecloud out with some bone surgery, has a broken foot. You're uh, lying. I thought you were being I thought no, you were joking legit. when you said that earlier. No, nope, that's, that's very real. real. I laughed earlier. Like I, I, I let out like a guttural laugh when you said that. Yeah. yeah, not only that, but uh, Alec Martinez's right. return has been delayed. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Zach Whitecloud's only 725, so yeah, I mean, that doesn't it's, not much. Yeah. It's, not a, it's not nearly enough, but they've already started getting to work. So, so yeah, should, should we should we dive into this? Yeah, yeah Matt should be back this week. Jack Eichel, obviously, we're going to get into the, the trade or not trade talk in uh, just a little bit. But Jack Eichel, one of the key components, one of the reasons maybe the abs should be looking to to pad themselves out a little bit with the trade. It could return as soon as tomorrow, I guess, if he's taking full practice. It, he could come in there, but obviously Vegas, some work to do on the cap side. Five dollars so- from Seahawk really quick. I heard Vegas hired Tanya Harding for $5. Thank you very much. So right now the reports out of Vegas um, are that they are targeting February 16th at home for a Jack Eichel return. Now I played this game with AJ earlier. Rudo, do you know off the top of your head who Vegas plays on February 16th at T-Mobile arena? Uh, yeah. Cause we're doing a watch along for this game. <laughs> so I do, I do know. <laughs> so assuming assuming nothing changes uh, I would just nine- like to say it's a good thing that the people who are paid to cover the team all got this question all correct, got it correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so as of right now it looks like yeah nine days from now Jack Eichel will make his VGK debut at home against the Colorado Avalanche yep assuming everything goes uh, to plan uh, so my question is uh, what what are we going to see out of Jack Eichel at the start here? Is it going to be like 70%? Oh, that's 80? your question? You're the one with that question? Yes. I'm the Just only you. one who has ever thought of this question, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> okay, No one has deigned to think about this. It's, like, it's certainly played no role in the trade talks at all. None. <laughs> But but we're finally here, right? We finally get to see, is it the bionic cyborg Jack Eichel who's better than ever, or how much is taken out of him at this point for Vegas? And how much does that matter to Vegas? The difference between 80% and 100% Jack Eichel, how big is that? So so here's, here's the part that I think it's been easy for everyone to forget and then even more so if you follow a team, cover a team that plays out West. Jack Eichel hasn't played in a long time. And I think a lot of people, including myself at times, have forgotten just how good he is. Um, I, I mean, he's a... If it's not for Connor McDavid, I mean, he's, he's like a consensus runaway, number one overall um, you know, elite top tier talent. Yeah. Imagine, and, imagine him in some of those other draft classes. Right. Right. It, it's like not even close, like, but put him, put him in the 2017 draft and watch him be the hard runaway favorite. I would have flipped fucking tables had the abs lost that Eichel. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, and obviously like knowing how it's turned out now, it's totally fine. But right at the time, like, yes. Like, so, 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 and then again, you take it back a step further teams that, you know, follow Vegas or teams that people that follow teams that are closely tied to Vegas, whether it be playoffs or in their division, Jack Eichel starts playing most days at four thirty five o'clock. 
out West. You know what I mean? People are still getting home from work, still getting out. So you catch the highlights of, of Jack Eichel. It, it was, it's easy to forget how good he is. Well, and then in Buffalo, I was just, and then I was just about to say, then you factor in the team that was around him. And there was a lot of time. I thought he looked disinterested out there and it probably is because he was, because who wouldn't be disinterested with that Buffalo team. Um, but I'm expecting that you're going to get probably like a 70 to 75% looking Jack Eichel. Um, so a Matt Duchesne caliber center. So I, what I was just about to say was <laughs> what the reason that that context is important is 75%, oh. 70% of Jack Eichel is still very, very good. Um, you know, I don't think he has the same elements to his game that McKinnon does, the, the kind of heavier, can play along the wall, a little bit more physical style. But I mean, like, Vegas brought in a, a player that is in the tier with Nathan McKinnon. That's what they added. So you're going to I mean, s- if there's no Connor McDavid, your top centers in the NHL are some combination, assuming health, are some combination of uh, Nathan McKinnon, Leon Dreisaitl, Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel, Sebastian Ajo. Sidney I'm assuming Crosby. you're not. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I'll say Crosby. Yeah. In whatever you, know, you like, like. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. Pick. You could make a solid argument for any of those. Sasha Barkov. You could make an argument for any of those guys in whatever order that you would like. And it's the point is that Eichel is that caliber player. Yeah. And, and so even and he's 70... replacing Chandler Stevenson. Right. So even at 70%, it's going to be pretty, pretty good. And for me, the part that like, I'm not worried about the abs having to play him on the 16th. I don't, I had imagined they're probably going to shelter his minutes a bit. I don't know if he'll be playing with stone and patch They eat a lot of minutes. They eat a lot of tough minutes. We'll see. But for me, it's, it's going to be playoff Jack Eichel. Once we're back in playoffs, he's been playing games for two months now. He's been practicing. He's settled in. He knows what his body is capable of doing. Um, He knows what it's not. He knows how far he can push himself. That's a version of Jack Eichel that's going to give people a lot of fits. Um, Now, what they do down roster could end up kind of making a lot of that irrelevant, depending on how all this cap situation shakes out. Um, But I'm expecting to see about 70% of, of what, a fully on Jack Eichel would be. And their lineup construction will be easy. Um, you could, cause you could make the argument that you just keep, I would not include Bergeron respectfully. Anymore. Um, yeah. Not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, you're, you're talking, you could just keep Chandler Stevenson there. Yeah, And that seems like, well, that's kind of a waste, right? And it could be, but you also go and look. Chandler Stevenson's in the, like the top 30 in the NHL in scoring. Right. He hasn't embarrassed himself a place. at yeah. all in that job. He has been very, very solid. No doubt helped by the quality of those line mates, but he's been, he's been good. And then you think, okay, well, especially during the regular season where they can work him back into the lineup, like you drop him down onto your third line if you wanted. You keep the misfits together forever, in my opinion. Like, <laughs> assuming you don't have to trade one of them. Of course. Like, yeah. if, like, because that's, that's the Riley Smith is the obvious trade candidate here. 
between the money and the pending UFA and they're going to lose him and blah, 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 blah. Like, easy. He's the easy guy to start with. Uh, Dadanov would be next on that list. <clears throat> Which goes back to him being just a total waste of a pickup to begin with. But, like, that's that's where you, that's where you start, right? So... Um, they could they could put him at three C if they wanted to to start with and get him working back working back into the lineup and like nice little feather in their cap there they have that guy just kind of working you know and then eventually ramp him up. Yep. Well, and and, and if if you know he's doing fine in a second or third line and Chandler Stevenson's playing really well okay, just leave him there until you need to move him. Like, there's nothing wrong with Jack Eichel's going to make whoever look pretty damn good. Yeah. And then next season, that's how you go into training camp. So, you know, that, that, that's been part of the issue in terms of, you know, if you're the Avs looking at what Vegas does is Jack Eichel just gives them so many different combinations and possibilities. Again, and I think this is what we're about to start talking about. You've got to get there first with those possibilities intact. Um, and it sounds like this surgery has maybe gone a little too well for Jack Eichel. Uh, if you're the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, so, you know, that that's the only thing that I could really see messing them up here is if they have to do some tearing down to make it work. Because if they can get to the playoffs with some version of this roster intact, um, yeah, he he gives them just a crazy amount of flexibility. Yeah, and like if you have to lose a Riley Smith or a, uh, especially if you have to lose a Dadanov, like fine. Well, like they they I, traded away. Do, do we remember they traded away Mark Andre Fleury for nothing? Oh yeah, basically nothing. But they won the the guy won the Vesna, and they literally <laughs> gave him away for free. They yeah. got nothing in return. Hang on, hang on. I'm, I'm getting word that Riley Smith has to get his wisdom teeth taken out. Yeah. Uh, and they're extremely, extremely impacted. So yeah. he may be out for about exactly three months. I'm not, not sure. It's, <laughs> it's going to, they're, they're either going to have to like dance the LTIR yeah. dance where they just make it up and make, make the money work or whatever. Or, they're going to have to actually do something. Well, so he, here's the problem. <clears throat> they're, they're over the salary cap right now. Yeah, I mean, like with, half the teams in the league are. Well, I know, but but I mean, with Jack Eichel on LTIR is my point. The other problem is that half the teams in the league are utilizing LTIR. Right. And just well, abusing and, the shit out of it, basically. <laughs> and, and like my thing is it's like, oh, well, if they had... Oh, well, they, they, they've got two mil in space, but they don't have enough to make it work. Like they are $3 million over the cap and Jack Eichel is sitting, Jack Eichel and Alec Martinez are sitting on LTIR. Yep. It's, it's going to be wild. The, 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 the math. Like, they have I, work to do. I know we've all, you know, joked and stuff since they made the trade, you know, not, not just the three of us, but a lot of people talk about it. But seriously, like you are looking at this and they're saying, cool, we're, we're eyeing less than two weeks before Jack Eichel's back. And you look at that cap situation and like saying they have work to do doesn't even do it justice. Like that they have, like they're going to really no. have to pull something off. 
Martinez Martinez was supposed to come back like this week, and then and they extended it because Jack Eichel's coming back instead. Yeah. <laughs> but but and that's kind of my point. Leave Alec Martinez out for the year. You're still like nine million dollars over the seven million dollars over the cap as soon as you activate Jack Eichel. Yeah, it's uh it's not a pretty picture for them for sure. Um I, I do think it'll be interesting how they decide to to get around it. If they do want to move a player, someone's gonna get a deal. I think I think that much is clear. So whether it's and, for and Riley like, Smith or otherwise. Well, and it's like, like does, do they just straight up just be like, hey, we're just going to give these guys away to teams that I mean, you almost have to worried about because now you have to find takers for those guys. Okay, well, who's going to take on Dadanov for totally for free? Uh, especially because, and this is why Riley Smith is the ideal candidate, but Dadanov, uh, two years, signed, yeah, he's signed for next year as well for five million dollars. It's it's going to be a tough spot for Vegas, not one I'm envious of. But I do want to talk about the av side of this, too. So go get yourself a Breck Brew Avalanche Amber Ale. Crack one open and uh, start getting crazy with the trade talks because that's it's going to be this way for the next month and a half. Everyone's going to be losing their mind. You might as well have some alcohol in your system while you're doing it. You can get your Breck Brew at your local liquor store. Use the Breck Beer locator online to find it near you. And when the abs are playing, if they score two in the first period, Breck Beer will buy your beer for you. Make sure you keep your receipt. Take a picture of it. Go to breckbrew.com. When the abs score two in the first period, send them that picture. Get a beer on Breck Brew. Free beer. It's the only thing better than regular beer. So jump on that with Breck Brew. If you need a little bit of a wake up in the morning, they got Strava Craft Coffee for you. Get 25% off online when you use code DNVR25 with them. You can also get 20% off basically for life when you get their subscription service. They got the CBD, they got the coffee, so it'll wake you up. It'll take care of your pain, whether it's migraines, IBS, headaches, joint pain, all that stuff. The CBD is great for. So go check out Strava Craft Coffee too. We have that cold brew down at the DNVR bar, which with the abs games coming back here shortly, a great place to come catch an abs game. Come hang out with us down at the bar and enjoy the hockey. Enjoy the, the fun crowds down there. The abs turnout always, uh, always likes to get things going a little bit. I, I the didn't think group. Yeah. I, I didn't think I would enjoy hearing all the oohs and ahs of the bar as they watch uh, a hockey game develop and, and things happen. So it's a, it's a fun little atmosphere. Come on down and, and, and have some fun with us. Uh, all right. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. So before we dive into our our actual trade deadline coverage later in this week, I do think there's an argument to be made that the Avs may not even really need to make a trade deadline deal. There's a couple of things that I want to hit here. First of all, excuse me, can the Avs win the Stanley Cup as they're currently constructed? I think most people would answer yes to that. But the question you're trying to answer is, will the Avs win the Stanley Cup as they're currently constructed? If you answer yes to that, you're done, right? You don't have to make any moves. Excuse me again. Uh, I was like, "Uh." obviously, that question's pretty impossible to answer. Uh, Without being able to travel back in time or forward in time, so... Hard to get there, but it's just a—it's it's all about incre- increasing your statistical probability, right? Yeah. 
Sure. If you can get a if you can get a Claude Giroux and you only have to give up a minor player off your roster and then some picks and prospects, your chances this year go from I don't know. If they go from 12% to 16%, is that worth it? Because that's Maybe. that's what you're and that's I mean that's one move and if that one move increases your odds by four percent, that's an enormous jump. Right. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's so interesting this is another conversation i was having out uh this weekend talking a lot about this stuff um about yeah do you make moves do you not make moves at what point do you draw the line and say well we we i have to protect for our future and at what point do you say nope we're going for it the goal of this league is to win it right the goal of this league is to win a championship and we're trying to win a championship um you know so so what do you do? Where do you go? How do you balance? How do you balance it? Um, and like, it's again, it's, it's a, another thing that's kind of easy to overlook. 31 teams this year won't win a Stanley cup. It is very difficult to do. Yeah. And, and I would just like to say that some of the entitlement that has taken hold of the avalanche fan base should probably just let's take right. it down a notch guys. Right. And, you know, it's, 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 it's very difficult to do. So AJ, I think you make a great point there that if you're taking your chances from 12 to yeah 17, that's a massive jump in your odds, given that one team is going to win. And so if you feel it makes you that much better, you know, yes, I, I feel like you, you need to do that. Now, if you're standing back and saying, Look, with where we're at, we think we've got a team as constructed that can get over the over the line, and we. Uh, all right, so on to our second. Pretty close, but I'm leaving <laughs> Twitter. Um, you know, we we believe that that we have enough to get it done, and we value those picks and prospects more than what we think would be a marginal change in our, our, our chances here, then yeah, that's the risk. You're, you know, that's the calculation you have to make. But for me, do I think this abs team is capable of winning a Stanley cup as constructed? Yes, absolutely. Do I think that they are demonstrably better with a, a player like Claude Giroux, uh, Joe Pavelski? And do I think that makes them, enough better that, that you say, yes, you have a better shot of winning a cup. I, I personally do. Um, I, I think it's been about 20 years since the abs have been in this mode and it's, it's time to be back in championship mode personally. Okay. So I think there are two factors here that I want to talk about. One of them is kind of is what it is. You can't really change a whole lot of this. An X factor for the abs side of things is certainly Bowen Byram. He could be back next week. He could be out for the year. We have no idea. But if he returns to the lineup or if the Avs get a sense of when he might be able to return to the lineup, there's a certain part of them that can kind of use that as their trade deadline acquisition, if that is a thing. The reality is we just don't know. So it's hard to really say anything on the topic. But I think the Avs are, as you said with Pavelski, demonstrably better with Bowen Byram in the lineup. Yep. And, and honestly, you can extend this out. 
maybe one of the reasons you're in favor of the abs looking for a trade in general is to protect against injury and health in general mm-hmm. because yep look See, abs know as well before. as anyone it's hard to stay healthy yeah for sure so, so definitely go ahead no, no no i was gonna say so uh two things here one Question in the comments there, how much would you give up picks and prospects for one cup? Take every pick yeah, and take every prospect. If you told me this guarantees you a cup, take every pick, take every prospect. Don't give a shit. We'll start over. Take the whole lineup. Take the starting lineup. But (laughs) win a cup and you're good, right? You don't care. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If if you're asking them how many moves you make to guarantee yourself a cup, however many moves you need. Cause that's the ultimate goal. Now, the other thing that was again, brought up to me in this, in the conversation I was having this weekend in support of what you're saying a little bit, Rudo is how much, you know, at what point do you have to step back and say, like, like look at your, your recent winners. Right. And I think this is, this has something to do with the way that the abs are playing right now and the way that the season kind of got started and just kind of their general outlook towards it. Look back at the last few winners. None of those have been like, maybe with the exception of Tampa last year on their second cup, none of those teams geared up for it. Those were all really good teams that kind of rode the process and and eventually ended up there. You know, you look back at Washington. How many years did they push all their chips to the middle and make all the big moves and win the president's trophy? This is is what I think is really funny about this conversation about all the chips to the middle, because how many years did they do that? If you go all in, you can't just turn around and do it next year. Well, it's look what, look what Columbus did. That was all in. Well, yeah, that was scorched earth. Like there's no turning back. They gave up everything for the one run and then that was the end of it that's what all in looks like and the reality is is that like washington like pittsburgh all those other teams colorado's in the position where they can go all in yeah and they're still gonna be as long as nathan mckinnon and and friends who are under long-term contracts Mm -hmm. are all coming back miko is signed Landis Cog is signed, Makar is signed, and McKinnon will get signed this summer. I will bet my freaking life on it. Yeah. Uh, as I'm long as those guys are going to be here, you're going to be a contender for something. Yeah. And and I more of look at all in as like that's your what you know other people refer to as like a championship window. I kind of look at that as like this is your all in window where you have again for for Columbus it it was one year for the Abs you've got a multi-year window here. We're like, that's where, in my opinion, you need to say, yep, for those five years, they went all in. They did everything they could to win. But again, you, you look at some of these teams, you know, Tampa, the year they got bounced by Columbus, that was kind of their year where they made the big moves and they, you know, they cleaned up in the regular season. They didn't make the big moves that year though. The next year is when they did. That's when they got Coleman. That's when they got Gaudreau. Yeah, but th- those aren't like big, sexy Claude Giroux moves. But you know they gave I mean? up first round picks in each of those deals. They gave up three first round picks in those in those those two deals because they gave up two picks and then their most right. recent first. Right, those and, were huge and, moves. Like, and those were both guys that ended up on their third line, but that's because right. they were already sick. Those were huge assets that they felt they needed to give up to fill in around the fringes. But 
I don't think anybody referred to those as huge moves like in the league at the in the moment. Regardless, where I'm going with this is is you know the way that we're watching the Abs play this year, the way they kind of started, and, and and the way that they're having the outlook on these games. Are we maybe seeing this team understand like they've now gone through a few of these playoff runs? And they're getting that, hey, we need to we need to play well. We need to get in, but we need to make sure that we are geared up for the playoffs. And seeing this group play this way and mature the way they are, I think that they should make a move for a, a player that's going to help them. But, Bruno, I think you're totally on to something that this group may just kind of be feeling this process out for their own or on their own with the group they've got. And we are, you know, we, I think the three of us are all pretty much in agreement that those three second round losses, none of them are built equal. But now you go back even one further year. We're now five years into this core's kind of run. They've gone through playoff heartbreak. They've gone through injuries. They've gone through all kinds of shit with the regular season. Maybe they have, they're starting to just kind of piece this together and, and they don't have to add anybody. And look, at the end of the day, it's not the players that make the decision on whether they're going to add a player to the roster or not. That's going to be down to Joe Sackick and the front office of the team. So I do think there are probably two competing conversations there, whether the players think they can win it as a, as a core or not, and whether you can make the team better. But my yeah. other side of this conversation is you always get into this conversation of uh, like keeping up with your neighbor in the NHL, right? Especially when it comes to the trade deadline. And you look at Vegas and you say, well, they went out and got Eichel. Are they a real threat to Colorado? You look in the East Coast side and you say, all right, you're looking at Carolina. You're looking at Florida. Obviously, you can't count Tampa out. None of those teams have really done anything significant, at least in season, when it comes to their acquisitions yet. But when you're comparing to these other teams, can the Avs find what they need against them at the trade deadline? Or are you just throwing assets to throw assets? Well, what do you think you need? Uh, that's the real question. That, and like, that's the- let's <laughs> let's let's shelve the Byram conversation because obviously that's like a if you get him back, that changes your conversation on defense completely. Of course, it, because it if there's no Bowen Byram, you need a top four defenseman. You you can't run the way that you've been running. Uh, you need you need help there first and foremost. But if Byram, if Byram is in the conversation and he's back and he's blah, 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 then it's different because then everything that you do is a luxury, right? Because you're pretty good as it don't, you don't feel any real needs on this hockey team with Byram in the lineup. I would agree. With Cause that. like I, I see there's literally a guy in my Twitter mentions right now fighting with himself uh, because nobody's responding to him, but uh, having the conversation about how Colorado's depth is providing nothing. And yeah. And I would just like to say, okay, who do you, who do we say is Colorado's bottom six? Yeah, it, I mean, if you're including Alex Newhook in that conversation, which with the healthy abs, you yes. are. He's providing plenty. Okay, so because I made up the list, I've got I've got Logan O'Connor, JT Comfer, Alex Newhook, Nicholas Abe, Kubel, and Tyson Jost as five of your bottom six guys that are like yep. set and forget. Yep. If you're healthy, those guys are in the lineup. Yep. The last guy, Darren Helm, Mikhail Maltsev, 
whatever. Yeah, whatever, right? That guy, you're not getting anything out of. You got six points in 32 games out of Darren Helm. Most of those were because of Logan O'Connor doing dope shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Maltsev has been cheated out of like four but, points at this point. It, but those five guys, just right now, when you think of bottom six production, what do you guys think of as like, that's an acceptable number? Not even talking the difference between third and fourth line. Just say a bottom six guy. Kind of what kind of point pace, what kind of point production are you looking for from those guys? 25. Okay. I mean, that's on like the lower end of what I would say is acceptable for bottom six. But yeah. for, a, for a third okay. liner, you're probably looking for closer to 35, right? But okay. for a fourth well, line. I was going to say, if you're talking third and fourth line guys, I think you'd like to see all of them fall in a range from 15 to 30, 35, okay. depending on, you know, which type of role player you're talking about. Okay. So you've got 15 to 30 ish. Rudo's right in the 30 range. Chat has uh one of our, one of our chat has 20 to 30. Yep. So those five guys that I mentioned, any idea what their point paces are? I'm just going to tell you because I already did it. Yeah, I, was I, mean, gonna say- I know new hooks <laughs> is like 40. So <laughs> Logan O'Connor right now, 31. This, these are the point paces that they're currently on. 31, JT Confer is at 41, Alex Newhook's at 38, Nicholas Abe Kubel in Colorado. I took away yeah. the seven Philly games. Sure. In Colorado is at 33, and Tyson Jost is at 22. So Tyson Jost being by far the lowest at 22. Yeah. Uh, and now, now none of those guys are going to play all games, so they probably won't hit the well, Logan 82 game but, mark or whatever. Um, <laughs> those guys probably won't hit those actual numbers just at 22 um would seem to be the likeliest but you're talking about that's what their point paces are right now so the idea that they've gotten nothing out of their bottom six is it, saying they've gotten nothing out of their bottom six first of all it's just wrong on new hook in general i think but it's being a hostage of the moment where we've seen over these last handful of games all of the avs bottom six scoring has dried up for a little bit but when you look at the season as a whole, you forget that for the first 10 games of the year, JT Confer was scoring at will. You People have already forgotten the month of December where Logan O'Connor could do no wrong on the offensive side. And they're bottom six players because they can't do that consistently. So it's going to come and go right. across the course of a regular season. That's what I, makes them bottom six players. Right. I, I was, I was going to say that's the other thing that, that people forget – and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that hockey is unique in this sense that in most other sports, what you would, you know, title be considered like fourth string. They don't play <laughs> if, if ever, you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, maybe in an NBA game, there's a massive blowout. And in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, they'll let they somebody... clear the bench. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, but like in the NFL, if, if you're, uh, if you're getting down to guys that are third and fourth on your depth chart, you know, they're, they're meaningless almost, right? You're just trying to get them through a game without getting hurt. But you're the fourth center on your depth chart in the NHL has to take 10 minutes a killing night. penalties for you, right. probably. Killing, yeah. killing penalties and stuff. They have roles. They're, that's why you hear the term role player in the NHL more than any other sport. Third and fourth line guys aren't, you know, I saw someone put in the chat that they expect bottom six guys to be around 40 points. 
Sure. Yeah, if you're points. the if you're the eighties Oilers. Absolutely. Right, right. <laughs> Forty points as an NHLer, if you are doing that consistently, you are not a bottom six player. You are a you know middle six at mm-hmm. worst, second line, third line, bounce up and down on a team like Arizona, you're playing on the top line. Like for real. Yeah. That's what a consistent 40 point, 45 point guy is in the NHL. So it's just that, that, that is something to keep in mind that there is context to these players. And it's, again, it's amazing that you have fans coming over from other sports because the NHL product is that good. But I do just think that there is sometimes, well, they're in the lineup. They should be getting 40 points. Yeah, but he's the fourth best guy at his position on this roster. And that's a position he was assigned. That's not even his regular position. You know what I mean? Like Curtis McDermott's played his whole life on defense. Yeah, he's playing on the left wing. <laughs> that doesn't mean he's a you know legitimate bottom six left wing NHLer. It's there's context to all of that. For sure. It's ooh, we got a Flyers fan in the chat saying the uh, we have a Flyers fan criticizing goaltending from around the league, which is the yeah. first thing. How would, why would we ever listen to you? You don't know anything about goaltending. <laughs> you haven't seen it in 25 years. Also, you clearly haven't watched the abs for the last three weeks if you think they need goaltending. Three so. weeks? It's more like six, dude. It's basically but, since Frankie came back, they've been fine. True, but in the last three weeks, they've been borderline elite. In the yeah, I mean, they before, took it up so. a notch. So uh, I would also like to add on to this depth conversation that one one of the things that gets lost in this in this just general focus on scoring is that the abs have a second first line on defense. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. right now, right now, point point paces for their top three defensemen. Kale McCarr's at 90, Devon Taves is at 79. Sam Gerard is the bum at 50. <laughs> Oh, what a weird world it is that your third best scoring defenseman is on 50 point pace. Not well, bad. How many times have we talked about that defense being the X factor for the abs? You talk about them, you know, oh, they're not getting any depth scoring. Defense, defense is a different is type of depth. depth yeah. Well, um, and I saw someone in chat earlier say, yeah, th- th- maybe they're scoring, but it's about what they give back too. I know it's a bad stat, but Devontae is the plus minus leader in the right. NHL. So he's right. not giving back a whole lot. Yeah, it's not a perfect stat, but <laughs> again, it's with context. It's like, and, and and also your your bottom lines, your bottom two lines are meant to be, you know, obviously when you have teams like the Avs that are, you know, as, as kind of stacked from a skill standpoint as they are, you know, you can play, guys like Nazem Kadri and Alex Newhook on the PK, but like those bottom six guys, those are meant to be kind of like your shutdown guys. So it's not like you're rolling them out there and just getting their heads kicked in every single night. Some nights they do, you know, if you're on the road, you get some bad matchups. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't go great, but you know, those bottom two lines for the ads, it's not like they are getting caved every single night. I don't even think we've really, especially since Helm has left the lineup, I don't think we've seen them even lose that badly when it comes to possession battles over, over recent history. So yeah, there obviously there are nights where things don't go your way, but for the most part, they're more than holding their own when it comes to that type of thing. 
I think you can make an argument recently that there's been some lack of finish, but on again, on the whole sure. of the season, they've been fine. They're just in a little bit of a lull. Again, the, the, the guy that everybody cites, oh, man, you know, they just haven't been able to make up that depth since Donskoy left. Dude doesn't have a goal this year. Yeah, he does. Now he's got one now. Whoa, shut he up. right before the All-Star game, yeah. Oh, damn. All right, that guy's got a goal this a year. Goal. <laughs> now, now, again, I, I wouldn't have an issue with them bringing him back, but that's not that's not the point, but it's just like, Everyone wants to talk about the fact that, oh, they lost, you know, so much depth in uh, Donskoy and Saad and blah, 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 blah. But it's like, yeah, it's not like those guys are necessarily lighting the world on fire either. So it's, uh, I think part of the thing that people forget is those guys aren't even really depth. Those guys were regular second line players for this hockey team and the gear you're getting out of Kadri, the play you're getting out of Nichushkin on your second line has pretty much entirely replaced that yeah so well, and everybody's favorite uh, uh target of ire these days is andre burakovsky and he has 35 points in 42 games and he's on so, pace for, um, he's on pace for just shy of a 30 goal season let's go let's get him a couple extra <laughs> he needs i'll be it. two or three years late but i would just love to check that box <laughs> So would he going into a free agency this summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So depending on where you're drawing the line of depth, obviously Kadri is in the freaking. So all of this, all of this to say they're, they're good. They're good. Uh, There's room for improvement. Uh, What's Nathan McKinnon's point pace for this season? Just if you have it in front of you. Uh, I don't, but give me, give me one second. I'll get it for you. Around a hundred, if not more. I would think, but 113. Yeah. What a down year for McKinnon, Don 113 point pace. What a, what what are they even paying that guy for? You know, you know, who's not getting talked about at all and is on a 104 point pace right now is Gabe Landeskog. So the Avs don't really have a lack of scoring. I think is the conclusion. They have, they have not, they have an entire upper shelf right now of elite scores at the top and then uh then you have solid depth and then you have an elite defense uh both offense and, and defense honestly so, like they they give you great at the top you get great yeah. two-way play out of those guys you're not looking at any one of them going well he's a one-way player they all give you quality two-way play yeah and Honestly, this is more of a thought experiment than anything. And it's just an interesting look at the abs to say, maybe they don't need to make a move, but I think when it comes down to it, all three of us would say one, they're definitely gonna make a move and two, they probably should. Yeah. It's, it's, you can never be too good. Right. I I think if, 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 uh, if you're striking out, on you know, as we get closer to trade deadline, if if a lot of the guys that, that you're targeting are either getting re-signed, not waiving, um, you know, no move clauses, um, going somewhere else, I, I think the Avs don't need to panic over pay. You know what I mean? I don't think they have to add someone. But if if you're you know if you're trying to do this, I don't necessarily even want to say right. 
similar to what AJ said earlier about Claude Giroux in terms of himself, if you're Joe Sackick, you are doing yourself, your team, your fan base, a massive disservice if you aren't trying to upgrade this team. If you're not trying to turn JT Comfer into Claude mm-hmm. Giroux, you're, you're doing a disservice. Okay, so not- let me ask you where, because I think I've asked this before, but it's going to continue to be part of our conversation. Where's the line? See, and this is where I think I'll differ with you guys because for me, you're trying to win a championship. This, with the cap situation you've got coming up in a couple of years, you are going to be able to keep a very competitive team, but I just don't know if you'll be able to make quite the play that you will this year. So my line is probably further than your guys's. For me, I'm kind of, designating one prospect. This is the one guy that we aren't moving. For me, it's probably Justin Barron. Um, I don't see Alex Newhook as a... Uh, yeah, let's assume that Let's assume that Newhook anymore. and Byram are no longer part of this. Yeah, I, I don't consider them prospects. I think you tap one prospect, and for me, um, I think everything else is, is up for discussion. But... Uh, Anything short of Newhook, Byram, and five of the guys in the top six, I'm at least listening to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Honestly, it's um, if if you truly believe, and again, if you're talking about a, a, a Pavelski, a Giroux, a player that you really think moves the needle for you, then again, maybe you tap one guy that you say, this is a prospect that we don't want to give up every defensive prospect. Um, what but, if you could keep that prospect prospect by giving up a guy like Burakovsky? Let's just, let's stay on Drew since that's just kind of the crux yeah. of our conversation today. I, and this dude in the chat's kind of losing his mind about it. So it's kind of fun. I, the, so the conversation around Burakovsky is pretty easy for me. Do you realistically think you can bring him back next year? Do you realistically want to bring him back? Well, and, and, and sure, either way. If the answer to that isn't an emphatic yes, then you should be looking at getting a player. If you think Claude Giroux makes the Evs better than Burkowski does, why aren't you investigating that? And now it's going to depend. If they want Burkowski in three firsts, obviously not going to happen. But... Yeah, I mean, if they want three firsts with anything, they can lick my taint that's, that's not what gonna I'm saying. happen is, you know like is, like fuck off in a, in a in the same the other conversations like oh they want burakovsky one for one of course you do that but so it's going to come down to well sure but i'm saying i'm saying like are. if you could keep justin baron out of the conversation and deal burakovsky in a first instead would that be a route that you would entertain instead of adding Giroud to burakovsky would i entertain it yes but for me you are all about how much can I upgrade 2022's roster? And as nice as it would be to hold on to, you know, whoever the, the prospect, you know, pick one, whoever your favorite prospect. Yeah, totally, totally. Pick them. We're using uh, Baron because he's like the closest yeah. and he's like a yeah. premium position. And it's, um, yeah. to be honest, again, if, if, yeah, if it's Andre Burakovsky in a third for Giroux, then yeah, sure. Because I still think that makes you better, but it's just totally. not moving the needle in the same way that you're trying to, you know what I mean? To truly make yourself that juggernaut that's on par with Vegas and having the big line and then the depth. 
Um, you're just you're making a trade off with a smaller margin of upgrade, in my opinion. So I'd listen, sure, um, but I, I would I would absolutely be pushing to to move the prospects. Um, and then you just once you move them, you just hope that they don't hit the ceiling I mean, that you were hoping for before. It's easy, right? Like the aggressive roster piece that the ab side is going to be pushing is probably JT Comfort, just from the money side of things, right? I mean, there has to be no matter what they do, yep. no yeah. matter what, if they bring any kind of meaningful money in, money has to go out the other way. Yeah. And that's the only reason that we throw Tyson Jost and JT Comfort into these conversations, right? Yep. Like it's it's because money has to go out and yep. that's the balance of it. Yeah, here, can can you get Billy's other comment up there? Because I think this is a really important point and something that I, I don't, I, I, I talk, I know we talk a lot about on this show about Burakovsky's shot, but this is something where like, this is why I'm still in on Phil Kessel, where I know a lot of other people have really cooled on the idea of him coming here. It's because it is so hard to find players like Burakovsky and players like Kessel that have that ability to, change a game purely with their shot. They well, don't need to, to be, to be honest with you, particularly well. They just need to be in the right area. That's the biggest thing where you look at why does it, how is it that Vegas keeps choking at the finish line? How is it that they've lost to Dallas and Montreal in, in conference finals in back-to-back years? And it's like strong defensive teams that want to play 2-1, that want to play, we'll, we'll take our chances with the bounce here and there. Yep. And you have if if you have high end finishers, you can get through those teams. Yeah. And right. Burakovsky is a guy that helps you. It's funny because it doesn't seem like Burakovsky would help you in a tough physical series, just given yep. that he's Charmin Ultra of a hockey player. But his shot is the kind of thing that if you just give him an inch of space, yep. he can just rip one past a goaltender and just be like Yahtzee, LOL. There's yep. that there's that goal that you aren't having to work so hard for all the yep. time. Yep. And that's where Vegas, that's where Vegas has missed that center and has really, really hit the wall in the last couple of years. Is that those tight checking teams? It's funny because Colorado gets shit on. Oh, tight checking teams, teams shut down the ads. You remember the Dallas series? They scored like 25 <laughs> goals in that series. Like yeah. they were, they were. They were the offense was not their problem in that series. It yep. was it was a third string goaltender and a penalty kill. I couldn't do shit. But like you look at Vegas, Mark Stone's a great player. But in the postseason, how many goals is that guy scoring for him? You know, where are they? Max Pacioretty is like that guy. Jonathan Marchessault was that guy. Because those are the guys who are beating goaltenders for them that are getting them past in a, in a series and Mark's, you know, Mark Stone's doing great work all over the ice and all of that, but that's just not where he's, that's where, that's where him being their best player has hurt them. And that's where Max Pacioretty helps. That's where Jack Eichel is going to help a ton, right? Is that he does, he, he does beat goaltenders and that's where Burakovsky. And the reason I'm having this conversation is because I think it's more realistic that they do, that they sneak something like that out there. Um, and try and solve some of their second line issues because they could say, "Hey, we're not going to sign Burakovsky in the offseason." A, a team like Philly could want him, 
uh, can get a jump on it, blah, 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 blah. We would rather give the money we were going to give to Burakovsky to Drew for the next three years. Yeah. And go, you know, and then in year four, figure it out from there. And instead of just giving another guy a, a long-term deal and being like, okay, well, now we have another $6 million player here who's our right. fifth best forward, you know? Let's let's not get too far into this. We got we do have to talk about this the rest of the week, too. I mean, we have, <laughs> we have the next six weeks to have this conversation, but... Right. I'm the, just, the, the I'm, easy easy goals is not something to to turn your nose up at fully, and that's that's I just totally. I, I think totally. Billy made a great point with the Burakovsky thing. That it's an interesting point because he's a guy that he can he can score an easy goal. Yep. Uh, all right. I think we'll we'll wrap it up there. Thank you everyone for watching, listening. However you consume, we will be back tomorrow. We'll see what time the podcast goes on. We might be a little bit flexible tomorrow, but uh, yeah. And then Avs pick up playing games again on Thursday and yeah, it's, it's back to the, the normal schedule more or less from there. So be sure to like, and subscribe here on YouTube, do all that good stuff. Keep your eyes peeled for our, uh, the proper start of our, our trade deadline coverage. This was kind of a little uh, intro lead in, but we got more coming later in the week. So be sure to check in on that uh, until the next one. We will talk to you guys later.